Diane and Lyric, go ahead and come up here real quick. Um, so, I know most of y'all know the story um, about, you know, we've had um, Jackson Hayden for February 8th made a year of physical custody. Um, and it's been like a really long journey, a lot of stress and a lot of heart, like heartbreak and a lot of um, nights at the hospital with Hayden. And God, we, we have seen God move miracles in Hayden. Like to hear from the doctor that like one, he shouldn't have survived with as much meth as he had in the system, but let alone not be a vegetable. It's a miracle. And um, so I wanted to bring Jackson Hayden, everybody else up here, to, I know some of y'all know this already, but as of two weeks ago, they are officially McCarters. Yeah. <laughs> okay? So now we have Hayden McCarter and Jax Owen B. McCarter. You want to say hi to everybody? Say hi. <laughs> but I want to do something real quick. Um, if you're a kid in this room, like, like, like you normally in the back, can you come up here real quick? Come on, go ahead and come up here. And if, you're ba- if, if you have babies with you, you can go ahead and bring your babies up here real quick. Yeah, you can bring it. I need a good, another good-looking man up here on the stage because Zane ain't doing it for me. Okay? Here's what I want to do. Um, let's do this. I'm gonna, let's kind of get closer together. Everybody... Got it's good Grayson up here. It, I just want to take a minute before we get into the sermon. Um, I want to pray over our kids. Dear God, we've seen you do some miraculous things just with people here on the stage. God, we're asking you to do to do one more. One, we're asking you to protect our kids. This world is full of evil. We don't know what the future is going to look like other than the fact that in the end we win and our kids win. So God, I pray. I pray for miracles from this stage, from these kids on this stage. I pray for healing, where healing needs to, be, needs to happen. I pray, for, I pray, God, that you give them a mission and a drive to want to seek you, but to seek your kingdom here on earth. God, if it means sending my kids into dangerous places for your glory to be displayed, send them. I pray for protection. I pray for, I pray for honor. I pray that they grow up to be men and women who serve you and love you and are a lot to the world. I pray for gifts to be poured out on them so that they, so that, so that they can show the world just how great you really are. That the whole world will sing the what we just sang. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Thank you for the blessing of my, my four children now, for the children here on this stage, for those that are about to be born. God, miracles are going to happen from these kids. The world is going to be shifted because of kids here. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. Sorry. Well, okay. He's like, what am I doing up here now? I was just sleeping in somebody else. And they smelled a lot better. <clears throat> so here we are in week four of our look through the book of Ephesians, right? 
And we spent the first three weeks learning about our position in Christ, right? That, that because of what Christ has done, we are seated beside him in glory. That means we are all a royal priesthood. Like you are on the throne with Christ. Him dwelling in you, dwelling with you. We are heirs, children of God. All because of what Christ did. And you're like, yeah, that's awesome. But it's not because of anything you've done, right? We looked at that, right? Ephesians 2, right? Like you were so far gone in sin that like you were considered dead, right? You were considered dead. And you were like, can dead people do anything about their situation? No. They can't do anything about their situation. Like, it would be ridiculous for me to go to a funeral and say, all they have to do is sit up and walk. That'd be fine. Y'all would look at me like I'd have been sipping the communion wine a little too much, wouldn't you? All right? But we were so dead that we couldn't do anything for ourselves. But it says, but God, my favorite two words in the whole Bible, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, he saved us, gave us his grace, his free gift. That, make, that gives us the ability to be heirs, to sit on the throne of God. Like it's him that forgives us. And it even says, even the faith to believe was a gift. So you were so far gone, you do, wouldn't even want to believe. If it was up to you, if it was up to you, you would choose rebellion against God. Because that's part of our nature. But God gave us a measure of faith to even to begin to believe. And that's, just, that's a miracle in and of itself. If we see nothing else in all of our lives, God do, do anything else in our entire lives, to know the fact that he, that he saved me from death is a miracle that should last a lifetime to celebrate. You with me? Like if that's the only thing he ever did, it would be good enough. Because it's, it's, God's not into making bad people good. He's, making, he's into making dead people alive again. And that's what he has done in us. But because of Christ, because he brought us back, because of re, the redemption that he has in us, we are children of God positioned beside him in the throne room of glory, not because of anything we have done, but because, all because of what he has done. So since we are positioned in Christ, what is our response to that? <clears throat> we looked at the last three chapters about our position, what Christ has done for us, right? Now, what is our proper response to what he has done in us? What he has done in us. How should we walk in this position? But let me, just let me kind of be honest with you real quick, because I'm just going to say this up front. I'm, for lack of better terms, I'm going to tick a lot of people off up front and then give you time to cool down by the end and maybe we'll meet Jesus, okay? Here's the deal. I'm going to just be honest up front. I believe, let me just say it like this. We need to stop giving people an excuse not to believe in God. That's to the church. We'll say that up front. We've got to stop giving a people an excuse not to believe in God. Because he's like, have you heard the phrase? Well, like, I believe in God, just not organized religion. Well, I'm not very organized, so you don't have to worry about that with me, okay? <laughs> That's when I tell people, like, I'm not going to come to church because I believe in organized. Well, I'm not very organized, just ask my leadership team, okay? <laughs> I'm not. I try to act like I am, but I'm really not. I just kind of, yeah. But here's the thing. I don't think people would say that if the church, us, truly lived like we are called to live. I hope that made you mad enough to listen to the rest of this. Okay? 
I love how Paul starts chapter 4. He's just laid out the foundation of how great God is and how he saved us. He's positioned us. And we've talked about this. Let me just say this. The title for today is Get to Walking. All right? Get to walking. Stop sitting on your hands as I heard this morning. Get to walking. I love the way that Paul starts out Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. Because we talked about it back in the Roman series. It says, I therefore... Do you remember what I said back in the Roman series? We have to figure out what the therefore is there for. You with me? What is the therefore therefore? So in light of everything that he just wrote to us in chapters 1, 2, and 3, that you're a child of the God, you sit on the throne, you're positioned not because of anything you've done, thank God, but because of everything he has done, he has brought you from death to life. I therefore, I therefore, go ahead, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Like Paul just, for lack of better terms, pissed a lot of people off. So. What do you mean? Am I not doing it good enough? Well, he wouldn't write it if he didn't mean it. I've always said, don't, I've always heard from mom and dad, don't say it unless you mean it. And I think Paul meant it. In light of everything that I just, I just wrote to you, he says, in chapters 1 through 3, even though there weren't chapters then, in light of everything that I just said, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called. And again, using the phrase of Mela back here, you're a Christian, act like it. You're a follower, act like it. This is not, I mean, just I'm going to lay this out there for those a group of people who thinks we have to work to earn God's love. This is not to earn God's love or to be approved because you've already been approved, Ephesians 1 through chapter 3. Because you've already been accepted, you've already been approved. In fact, you're already saved because it's nothing you can do to get it, nor can you do anything you do to, earn, to not get it. It's, it's yours. It's not to earn God's love and approval, but we walk worthy as a response to already being loved and approved. Right, say this again. It's a, you can take notes on it. We walk worthy as a response to already being loved and approved. And I want you to know this. Like we've spent our whole lives learning and, and going to Sunday school and saying, you've got to believe in God. You've got to believe in God. You've got to believe in God. But here's the truth and the fact, and that is true. We've got to believe in, 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 in God. We've got to believe in Christ and what he's done. But we've missed out, what the church has forgotten and done is that, in, the, in fact, you're already, like, he believes in you. Like, if he didn't believe in you, would he, why would he have come and died for you? Why would he bring you from death to life? We walk worthy as a response to already being loved and approved. You're already accepted. Like, you're not, like, this in elementary school was the last one picked in the kickball line, you know what I'm saying? You know, like, if you're the last one picked, you know that nobody likes you, right? Just saying. I was always like second to last. You know what I'm saying? Just kidding, y'all. Some of you like, you're bringing back bad memories of school years, my trauma. But here's the deal the appropriate response to what we have received in Christ, this is it to walk worthy in a manner in which you have been called. So the question becomes, how are you walking? And today I've split 
chapter 4 up into two parts. We'll cover the next part next week because first things first is we've got to fix some stuff within ourselves. We've got to fix some stuff in ourselves. This is the appropriate response from what we have received in Christ. Does the way you live your life a reflection or does it, does it match what you've received in Christ? Because oftentimes we can say, look at what, what I've received in Christ. Look how much God loved me that he would die for me. Like, like we say that to people, right? He loved me so much that he went to the cross. Look at what I, the gifts I've, I've received. Look at this great news of Christ, what Christ has done for me. But does our life match what we, what we say we have received? We could say it like this. Your life should match your lips. If you talk about the glory of God, how we're going to sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, are you living that now? Because your eternity is now. You realize that, right? Like, are you singing with your life, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty? Like, are you singing, like, is that the, what your life's portraying? Your life should match your lips. If you say, look how much God loved me and you're, and if we say, how much, look how much God loved, loved me and our life is not a reflection of that, we need to go back and reread what the therefore is there for until we get it ingrained in us about how much God really does love us. How he has redeemed us, how he has brought us back, how he is the one that paid the price for you, for you to have peace in eternity and have peace here. We've got to understand what the therefore part is. And until we do that, we won't, it doesn't matter what the rest of this is. So you want to know what we need to do to fix the things in ourselves? Because it has to start inside of the church. Here we go. <laughs> Ephesians 4. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Verse 2 says this. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Hello. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And one translation says, even the ones that get on your nerves. Josh, for you. Just kidding, Josh. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Because of your love. What is he talking about? What is your love? Paul would in another book says you, you have fallen out of love with your first love, which is Christ. So why should we walk humbly and gently, treating others with, with respect and with honor and always looking out for the best for others? It's because of the love that we have received. Jesus. This is the opposite of the way the world tells you to live, right? Somebody makes you mad, screw them. Let them go. If you don't like somebody, just move on. The world tells you to live boastfully and proud. In fact, it amazes me how the Bible said, how the Bible talks about a true life, true living is not to be proudful. And, and there's organizations that their banner is pride. Like, I'm not even going to go there right now. The world tells you to live boastfully and proud, tells you you've got to have the best things, 
here, and, and here is Paul saying, actually to live worthy of the gospel means to walk in humility and gentleness. You gotta have the best things. You gotta do better than the, the Mitchells next door. No, 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 Paul's saying, you know what? The best thing you can do is let go of all that stuff. Paul is telling us we have to let go of pride. We have to let go of the things that we can boast in. We've got to stop feeding the lie of self-promotion and walk humbly and gently because what you feed grows and what you starve dies. We'll say that again so you can write it down. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. We'll say it again. Because it matters what you are putting in. Right? What you feed grows and what you starve dies. Let's just talk about self-promotion. To be honest, you can't really self-promote yourself. You can't. One, you're nasty. Two, who gave you those hands to work with anyway? Who gave you that brain to think about those things? Who gave you those feet to keep on walking? Not you. To be honest, you can't do any self-promotion anyways because you're so bad that Ephesians 2 said you were dead. In fact, all the right things you do says outside of, God, outside of Christ are just filthy rags. I'm, just, I'm going to say this. This doesn't mean don't take the promotion at work or have nice things, but check your heart and motivation behind it. Are you depending on these things or the provider of said things? You know what I'm saying? In fact, Jesus' words, I love Jesus' words. <laughs> Matthew 6, 19, don't keep hoarding for yourself earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. This is Jesus basically saying, your stuff is the future Items at garage shells, dumps, and garbage heaps. Don't keep hoarding for yourself earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourself that can be, cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose value. For your heart will always pursue what you, what you value as your treasure. For what your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. What are you valuing? Is it that others may know Christ or is it self-promotion and self-gain? You want to walk worthy in the manner of the gospel? Let go of the things that don't matter. Eliminate the stuff that doesn't matter so you can pursue the things that really do. I'm not telling you to go sell your house and all your cars. I'm not telling you to do that. But what I am telling you is don't depend on those things. Don't let those things be the end. Christ is the end. And really, sometimes the stuff that we have are distractions from doing what God has called us to do. It's a distraction of living life, work in a manner worthy of the gospel or the worthy of the calling in which you've been called. And this next one's going to make some people mad. I'm going to get mad again if you weren't mad at the beginning. But remember, this ain't me. This is Paul. If you've got a problem with it, talk to Paul and Jesus. Ready? 
Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with what? Peace. We try to win. We try. We try to win arguments. We try to win arguments, don't we? That's why we argue with people in the shower when nobody else is there. Or like if I was, if I could go back to that argument, I would say this, this, and this. Yeah, yeah, you, whatever, you know, you and your mama, whatever. You know what I'm saying? We don't try to bind ourselves together with peace. We try to bind ourselves by winning arguments, and that never works. Are you actively seeking peace with your fellow brothers and sisters? I want you to think of that person that you're mad at that you know is a fellow believer that you haven't talked to in forever because they made you mad 10 years ago. You're in the wrong, not the other person. Are you actively seeking peace? Are you actively, I think the reason the world doesn't is so, I think one of the reasons the world is so against, against us as the church is because we can't even get along ourselves, let alone make peace with ourselves. You want to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel? Worthy in the manner in which you have been called. Give grace to our fellow, your fellow brother and sister, just like you have received grace from, the, from Christ. There is no difference. Are you actively seeking peace with your fellow brothers? Maybe God wants to bless us more, but can't because we're not loving each other properly. It's a tough pill to swallow, isn't it? Here's another tough pill to swallow, and this this, this, this for me, this one hit me hard. I mentioned this one to Dawson the other night. I don't know where he went to. There he is. I mentioned this one to Dawson Wednesday night when I spent some of my notes in there. This one, this one hit me hard because it's some past hurt. You ready? We should always err on the side of being for, not against other Jesus followers. Always. Always. Say it again. Always. We should always err on the side of being for, not against other Jesus followers. But Derek, what if they uh, should always err on the side, side of being for, not against? But what if they did? Are you actively seeking peace? Are you always erring to the side of being for, not against? But they have a bigger church. Now we're all part of the kingdom. Well, they did this, and they should have done this. Blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. Always err inside of being for. Because we're, we're really known for what we're against, right? <laughs> Always err. We can't be for our fellow brothers and sisters, and we can't be for the world. Might as well take out that hashtag for South Knox that we put on everything. You with me? Because we can't be for South Knox if we can't be for each other. Oh, no, 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 I keep going. going. That therefore is sent, therefore, the therefore is since we've been forgiven, we need to extend forgiveness. If we remember chapters 1 through 3, we will understand to the extent you remember you're forgiven, you should forgive. To the, to the extent you remember you're forgiven, you should forgive. Because, I mean, not everybody around us may know how bad we are, but we know how bad we are, don't we? We know things that, about ourselves that other people don't know. and We hope that they never know, but we know that we're forgiven for them, right? To that same extent, we should do that for other people.
Paul goes on to say this. For there is one body. How many bodies is there? One. And y'all look good, y'all. I'm telling you. For there is one body and one spirit, just as, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And this gift is grace right here. This is a gift of grace. We've all received the same grace. Like your grace ain't better than mine. It's the same. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying, he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth. This is just talking about God has done this for all of us. From the heavens of the heavens to the hells of the hells. He has done an amazing thing. He who, who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens. It's his name that is above every name. That he might fill all things, and by all things, that's us. That he may fill us. Because for him to go, he, for us to be filled, he had to go so he could send the Spirit to fill us. And he gave us apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. And here's why, they, why this is a gift. To equip the saints for work for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood and to, measure, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And all this is saying is that like my job outside outside of te teaching you what God's word is, is is to promote unity and peace amongst fellow believers. Here's why. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, into Christ from, from whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which, with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, make makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Here's the deal. Just as there is one God, there is one church. In fact, there is nothing more greater than the church. I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about the church. The ecclesia, the people of God. There's no other group that can offer hope and healing. But we have so many issues on the inside. Slander, hatred, deceit, issues we need to fix amongst each other. It's a struggle to reach the world around us because of all these things internally that we have going on inside the church. And he says, therefore, in light of everything that is said, chapters 1 through 3, we have got to get to walk. And we have we've watched the news in the last several years. But we need some unity in the church to reach a dying and evil world. You know, the group can offer hope and healing. 
except for the church. And that's why I love one of my favorite preachers in Spurgeon. But you can't really listen to him speak anymore, but I think I've only heard one recording. I think it was his son or grandson that had a similar voice, but I love his readings. I love reading through his sermon. I love what Spurgeon said in regard to the church. He said, give yourself to the church. Give yourself to the church. You, are, you that are members of the church have not found it perfect, and I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I would never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spooled it, for it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. <laughs> Still, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. The dearest place on earth. It's us, the people. All who have first given themselves to the Lord should as speedily as possible also give themselves to the Lord's people. How else is there to be a church on earth? If it is right for anyone to refrain from membership in the church, it is right for everyone. And then the testimony for God would be lost to the world. So your first step before we get into anything else on how to walk is to make sure you're at peace with each other. Whether it's here at Shift or with somebody else out here that you know knows a believer. There's a lot of phone calls that I need to make. You with me? That's me admitting that myself. To make peace with fellow believers. And there's people that you probably need to too, right? Because for us to reach the 17, that reach the 17, that reach the 17, we can't do, if we can't reach them across the aisle to ourselves, then we might as well toss that out the window. You with me? He's given us the gift of grace to spread to the world, but first we have to do that with each other. We have to give grace to each other. So forgive me where I failed y'all as I forgive you. I'll be making some phone calls this week myself. With me? Let's pray. Say, God, we love you so much. God, we, <laughs> for a lack of better, <laughs> for lack of better phrase, we just, we thank you that even though we weren't seeking peace with you, you sought peace with us. And you made us, accepted us, and called us to walk in a way that's different in the world around us. May we be examples to the world of what it looks like to be in unity with each other, at peace with each other. When disagreements do arise, that we can have conversations and come to an agreement without hatred and slander and malice. Even in disagreements, that we can walk away in peace knowing that my brother loves me and, he, and, and I love him. May we stop being enemies of each other and walk in a way that's worthy of the gospel because at the end of the day, I hope my mansion is right next to theirs. And we can walk out our front doors into the throne room and worship together. 
with our hands lifted high. And holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. May we leave here in peace. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. Hey, I love you all. Y'all look amazing.